hello, my name is Jackson McMurray. I'm Adeline McMurray. Uh, I'm Ethan Jones. Oh, Ethan, Ethan, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta cool it, my man. Yeah, you know what? I felt like hopping in that intro. This is No Nerds Allowed. There are no nerds allowed. <laughs> Ethan, get out. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I can't be here. So this is a very special episode of Nerdards Allowed. It is our first uh, guest star Boy. episode. That what would you call it? Episode with a guest. A guest star? Uh, yeah. <laughs> a guest appearance? A guest episode. Yeah. I don't know what word you're looking for, Jackson. There isn't one. <laughs> All right, Ethan, explain yourself. A guest episode. Uh. Explain myself. Yeah. I'm Ethan. I'm a good friend of Adeline and Jackson's, and I like watching movies a lot. Yeah. Great. Okay. We <laughs> all it. like Edgar Wright. I'm a cook. If you care. Probably don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's not- so, also, Jackson. Oh no. Go ahead. I just noticed that you actually put that as your Discord picture. Yeah. And I want to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I was complaining about. <laughs> So, for those not looking at my screen right now, um, I needed a good profile picture for Discord, because uh, I didn't have so one what before. Was? So, I did a Google search for funny pictures, and the first thing that came up was a picture of a baby on the phone, and it says, we went to church today, and this guy in a suit tried to drown me, and I kid you not, my family just sat there taking pictures, and the baby's, like, holding a photo to its head with his mouth wide open, like, ah! Wow. <laughs> it's a really funny picture. It's the funniest picture. It's the first one that came up. Yeah. It's pretty quality. He's yeah. also holding the phone wrong. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I have sort of a, a topic that I want to broach before we get into our, our main event here. You want to what? Uh, I, ha- I have a topic for us to discuss. What's the word that you said, though? A topic that I want to broach before... That's a thing people say. That's a Are phrase. Are you sure? Yes. Broach? It's, it's a thing. Bad, it's this a is thing. bad audio. Let me, let me see if I can... You just described what your Discord icon was. <laughs> yeah, it was very funny. <laughs> it's the funniest picture. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so, uh, Marvel Comics have recently, uh, reacquired the rights to Conan the Barbarian, to just, like, publish, publish those stories. Um, and this is interesting, because rather than just, you know, use the Marvel company to publish Conan comics like they always have done, um, they've decided that now he's going to be part of the main Marvel continuity, uh, He's just like an Avenger now. Yeah, they just announced oh. an Avengers series featuring Venom, Wolverine, the Punisher, and some other guys, and Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I, uh, the worst team-up I think I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> they show up and everyone's like, these guys? <laughs> really? They show up and the party stops. <laughs> we got the B-Squad? Why? Yeah. It's like you know what? Okay, you know what the and- best part is, though? Uh, the title of the series is called The Savage Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost as bad as Epic Rap Battles of History. 
Um, and, okay, this this is just fascinating to me because this first, you know, Conan the Barbarian <laughs> is a comic book character uh, and has been since like the 30s. And the people who publish it have it's been going kind of back and forth between Marvel and Dark Horse for a while. Like different people like have the rights to that character. Um, but I guess this is just Marvel's way of being like. Uh, he's ours forever now, because now he's part of our whole shit. Nobody yeah. can have him ever again. Now he's an Avenger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, like, this has happened before, also. Um, I don't know if either of you guys are really familiar with the character of Angela in Marvel Comics. She's, like, Thor's sister. Um, it sounds familiar. Yeah. Is she, she Thor? Or, yeah, is she She Thor? No, that's Jane Foster. Oh, God. No, um... But Angela was a character that Neil Gaiman created for Spawn. Um, and I don't know if Marvel just liked the character, so they bought it from him, or if there was some sort of contractual weirdness that led to Marvel having the rights. But Marvel was just like, uh, like I know you wrote this whole character for a totally different story, but uh, she's Thor's sister now, and we're going to just put her in our whole shit. <laughs> she's and, ours now. <laughs> like... I just I don't know it's so weird to me. Yeah, that's that's very very interesting. I'm actually on the Wikipedia page right now because I I'm trying to see if there's anything about it. There's there's nothing about the deal itself. It literally just says on March 21st, 2013, Comic Book Resources announced that Angela would be introduced into the Marvel Comics universe. Right. There's like there's no behind the scenes detail about it. <laughs> so like they bought her or whatever. It's right. just like she's here. And what I think is interesting is that I, you know, they didn't like use her like exact same character, because like it's not like they tried to merge the continuities of Spawn and Marvel. Uh, they just sort of like took the idea of her and like made it whatever they needed it to be to make it a Marvel thing. Um, yeah. And I hope that's kind of what they do with Conan the Barbarian also, because uh, it'd be weird if they were just like, uh. Yeah, Conan's always been in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, if you just told me that Conan is here now, I'd be like, um, this guy? Is, really? The Barbarian? In, <laughs> that Conan? Yeah, not, not O'Brien? I wanted late night TV Conan, what are we doing? Are there any other Conans we can make jokes about in this world? I mean... Conan. I'm sure. Is it Conan or Conan or Conan? People usually say Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, Conan. <laughs> Conan. Conan is Conan. And then, if someone off, someone's making you ice cream and they're like, you want to put it in a cone? And you're like, <laughs> a cone? Nah. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's more uh, like, hey, uh... Would you like a complimentary yeah, just do ice cream my cone? Bit again, we'll just no, do wait, it one no, more shush. time. Okay, from the top, everybody go to the top. <laughs> it's like if somebody was like, "Hey, have this complimentary empty ice cream cone. Would you like it uh, in a in a plastic bag or out of one?" And you're like, "Um, I think I'll have cone in the bag." <laughs> Great, good job, scene. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, you know how when you go to a hotel and sometimes at the desk they just have a big box of empty ice cream cones that they hand out to potential guests? No. You know how that happens all the time? What are you talking about? 
Did you just Google search Conan's? Yeah, I looked famous Conan, but what I'm trying to point out here, what I'm trying to point out here is Conan episodes, you know, here's like uh, Dion Cole, you know, from the cast of Breaking Bad. Tom Hanks is just a picture of Conan O'Brien. We, we all <laughs> know what Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks looks like. <laughs> okay, sorry, we're done with We don't that. need to be reminded. All right, anyway, now that we've got all the Conan talk out of the way. Yeah, thank um, God. Let's, uh, Ethan, what do, you, what do you think about Baby Driver? We, we're doing this movie Ooh. specifically because it's one of your favorites uh, for the podcast. So give me, give me like, your rundown of your, your 101 on Baby Driver. I think Baby Driver is probably... Well, I think it's probably my favorite film of all time. But I also think that it has more detail than pretty much any movie I've ever seen. And I also haven't seen a lot of Edgar Wright movies, which it's kind of like Edgar Wright's trope to do that. Right. So, um, but like literally pretty, pretty much if it's in frame, it's there for a reason. Mm -hmm. And, and a lot of movies have that, but with Edgar Wright, it's like, (laughs) if it's in frame, you know, it's there for a reason. (laughs) And I think I just really appreciate that style of movie making of just like every detail matters. I think that's what draws me to this movie. Right. And that's the thing that Edgar Wright, Every detail matters, go. but, like, in the most obvious way possible. It's, like, there's a scene where they're running at the scenario, and there's a car on the table, and a car falls off the table. And then at the end of the movie, the guy drives his car off of the garage building. Like, it's just, like, yeah. there's details everywhere, and all everywhere, but all these details are, like, mega important. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing about Edgar Wright's movies, is that sort of his whole claim to fame is that he is hugely conscientious about sound like his sound editing and the attention to detail he gives to like every piece of audio in the whole movie is kind of what like makes him stand out as a filmmaker and this movie is basically just him being like what if that was just the whole thing what if i just made the whole (laughs) movie that this time uh well i don't know how much you guys know about the origin of this movie but i've done i I've done a lot of research because I like it a lot. <laughs> uh, and basically, talk, talking about that music and sound design thing, uh, Edgar Wright started out doing a lot of smaller productions, a lot of music videos. And actually, w- the the music video that most people point fingers to when talking about Baby Driver and Edgar Wright is uh, Mint Royale's Blue Song. I highly suggest you watch that video and then watch the intro of Baby Driver because they are frame for frame, scene for scene, identical with a different song. <laughs> That's like the only difference. It's pretty much the exact same video with British guys, and instead of robbing a bank, it's like some office building and he's in the bottom. It's crazy. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, so like Edgar Wright's been doing that sound design, all, everything matters for a really long time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the first few things I have written down in my notes are basically just like, this is, this is sort of a blessing and a curse, I feel like, which is that, like, the first, like, 15 minutes of this movie are basically, like, a, a perfect piece of filmmaking. Like, They're everything so about it yeah. <laughs> fits so wonderfully. Like, not, not just the chasing at the beginning, but also, um, the bit where he's walking down the street and everything is syncing up with the music. Oh, and yeah, the dance sequence. Then, like, going into the first... Uh, sequence where they're all talking and everything's still like synced up to music in that same way and you start getting all these great performances out of like John Bernthal and John Hamm as well um, and and that's the thing about it is like those 
these opening moments of the movie are just incredible and they're so like well put together but at the same time at least for me i feel like it's sort of writes a check that the rest of the movie doesn't all the way cash in the sense that like hmm. every single thing is so explicitly synced up to music in such a really deliberate way right at the beginning that the rest of the movie just doesn't quite do i mean obviously it does but it doesn't quite do to the same level as it does in the first few scenes does that make sense mm-hmm. i get that that makes sense um um go ahead Going on the opening thing as well, I mean, even looking at my notes, half of my notes are just only about the opening. <laughs> yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Because the opening of this movie is like, uh, it's so good. It's so good. The uh, shot where yeah. the guy in the passenger seat points forward and the baby driver brings the car back, I think is one of my favorite shots <laughs> of all time. It's just so good. I like that you refer yeah. to the character as baby driver. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. They definitely call him that in the movie at least twice. <laughs> I'm not sure that they do. Do they? No, when they're t- the final scene, when they're like laying out the plan, and they're like, "Buddy goes in, blah blah blah," and he's like, "Then baby driver pulls around." They definitely call him. Definitely baby just says baby. Definitely I don't, just baby. Yeah, I'm no, very sure they don't driver. say baby driver. I remember driver. it because I was like, "Roll credits," because cinema says. <laughs> Okay, I would believe it happens probably once, but... Yeah, it defo <laughs> at least once. Also, get off my jock. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, you know what else about the opening sequence of this movie? Uh, John Bernthal just deserves better in this world. <laughs> like, somehow, he is an actor that's capable of playing a leading role in two of the most popular television shows of the last few years... And somehow, for some reason, can't be in a movie for more than, like, three minutes at a time. (laughs) (laughs) He's in Baby Driver for, like, a second. He's in Wind River for, like, a second. He's in um, Widows for, like, a second. Like, I don't understand why he doesn't... Why he's not getting big roles in movies. It seems like every time he shows up somewhere, he dies within, like, 20 minutes of showing up. And you're just like, well, fuck. Like, <laughs> well, and the, the sad thing is, Baby Driver's death for him is only implied. It's not even. Oh yeah, like, yeah. He's like, if you don't <laughs> see me, I'm even, dead. Yeah, it's not even an action. We don't get any gratitude. It's just we don't ever see him again, so we have to assume he's probably dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's just busy. I mean, I could buy that. He's doing I mean, a lot of television TV. stuff. Yeah. Maybe he can just. He only has time to be in movies for like 15 minutes at a time. I mean, that is like an hour of real-world time, so... (laughs) (laughs) In the real world. Yeah, no, like, literally, in Widows... Did either of you guys see Widows? I did not. Mm -mm. So, uh, the whole thing is, like, these women... uh, Like, their husbands all die in, like, this heist gone wrong, and they're, like, sort of left with the fallout of all the stuff that they fucked up on this heist Mm -hmm. that they died in. And John Berthold is one of the guys that dies in the first ten minutes of the movie... Like, you see him once, and it's like, oh, he's married to Elizabeth Debicki. And then he goes and dies in a heist immediately. <laughs> like, what? I, and then he walks into dude, traffic. Yeah. Maybe that's just, like, in his contract. He's like, you can have me, but you only but. get me for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> just keep you wanting more, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But, I mean, like, g- getting back to the, 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 the movie. The thing that we're doing, yeah. Uh... I mean, if you if you really want to understand how much audio is important to to Edgar Wright and to this movie, 
watch the opening scene muted. Oh yeah. It's so awkward. <laughs> like, like that. The longest shot in that entire car chase, that opening car chase, is six seconds. Oh yeah, that's the mm-hmm. longest shot, and that's jarring if you don't. Have yeah, the music. right. Yeah. If not a you don't have the music the timed up to that. Watching like literally half second shots all strung together is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Just put the Benny Hills music over it. <laughs> Well, is the longest shot the one where he drifts in between the two cars? Because that's the tightest shit on the planet. No, that's that, even that's way not shorter. The longest, the longest shot is when he's coming around the corner, uh, right before he hits the road spikes. Oh, that's right. So that one big corner, he does a big like 180 drift around that. <laughs> the, that's the longest. shot. Where the shot. car gets like two inches away from the cameraman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, can we also talk about how all of the driving scenes in this movie are practical? Oh, hell yeah, dude. <laughs> okay, 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 because, okay, okay. Here's the thing, oh. though. There's really only two of them. I'm, but they're both great. <laughs> they are both really good, but how could it be that this movie only has two chase scenes in it? That seems like <laughs> well, some bullshit to me. It's about baby. Yeah, I think... I think because the thing is, it's like, that's not the world he wants to live in. Yeah. So if we're following him, then that shouldn't be the majority of the movie. I'm not saying it should be the majority. Just like, I don't know, you've got the opening, and you've got the one where they get attacked by that guy with the shotgun. Yeah. Um, and then after that, it's like, we're done, there's no more driving in this movie, we're done with it. Well, there's like, the whole Well, there's a foot chase, scene. which is cool. Um, it needed. I just really think it needed one more like awesome car chase sequence. Are you not counting the parking garage? That's not. A, I, I don't know. I guess he runs There's into him with the car. There's two cars and they're chasing each other. That is That's true. true. All right. There's two cars. I still feel like there just needed to be more car chases in this movie. That's fair. I mean, there there is the whole getaway scene though of after the heist that goes wrong, mm-hmm. right? He has to drive out of that. So no, he doesn't drive. He gets in a car and he like tries to back out of the parking lot and it gets wrecked. So then he just runs away. Yeah, but but then he foot he runs away and then he steals that old lady's car and so tells her sorry. <laughs> Does he? Um, okay. Yeah, he drives. Regardless. He drives back to his apartment. Yeah, because there's the whole thing where he steals her car and he's pulling away and she's freaking out and he pulls back and gives her a purse and then drives off again. He also spends like five minutes trying to get the song right. right, right. The radio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> the next thing yeah. I have written down is that I just want to point out how really irritating uh, what's her name Deborah would be if she was my waitress in real life. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like if I was like sitting down at the diner and I like had a tape recorder out on the table. And she was just like, oh, what's that? Let me see it. And she picks it up and it's like, testing, testing, hello? I'd be like, what the fuck? I'd like some eggs, please. Like, please yeah, imagine take my that's order like a detective. Back to the kitchen. It's like a detective who's got, like, all of his notes on his case on that one tape recorder and she, like, records over it. <laughs> also, I, this is not a big thing. It just makes me laugh. Lily James's American accent is very funny to me. I also just love Lily James, so it's hard for me to say a wrong thing about her. <laughs> She's the girl who plays Deborah, right? Yeah. Sorry, I, I don't she know. She just cracks me up, and her voice, her real voice, is so like I don't know. She just has like this proper English accent, like yeah. so much so that you know, sorry to bother you, where the gag is that people use their white people voices on the phone. Yeah. Uh, she plays one of the female characters' white people voices. <laughs> <in> it. <laughs> it's just really good. Um, 
I don't. She just. I don't know. For some reason, like I didn't question it much the very first time I saw the movie, but every time since, I like get a little bit more like I don't. I just. I don't like their chemistry very much. It's oh, not I the really worst like thing really? in the world, but it's like I don't know. The scene where they're going on the date is really good. But, like, when they're just talking to each other, like, in the diner is always, like, it, I don't know, it's kind of tied into that whole, like, um, please don't touch my stuff, <laughs> you know? Jackson, like, I think that's just that's you fair. being weird. I don't know, I just, I don't think... I love the dialogue in that scene, and, like, the scene in the laundromat is really cool. To be fair, all chemistry and motion of the scene stops anytime we bring up the dead mom, but before we bring up the dead mom, <laughs> the chemistry is really good. Right, yeah. But, I mean, I also think, like, I don't know, I think that scene is kind of awkward, but I think it's supposed to be, because yeah. Baby even admits he hasn't talked to right. anyone in, like, literally a year. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Can we just talk about how Deborah is just an exposition machine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where she's like, oh, I was in a car crash when I was little. And she's like, is that when your mom died? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's something else that cracks me up, is that they find different ways to tell us that Baby has tinnitus, like, eight different times in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I but I love how they implement oh, that. Totally. I mean, even oh, yeah. The, the opening scene, the screech happens. You know that, right? Like, like right. when the Sony comes up, that ringing yeah. is, is his tinnitus until the music yeah. plays. And, like, the beautiful thing about it is I didn't even notice this until I watched it last time with the intent of taking notes. It's almost... It's it, it looks like the brakes are supposed to be that squeal. Yeah, yeah. But then it continues just a little softer afterwards. Mm-hmm. So like the people who've seen it again will know what that is. But watching it the first time, that I totally would have just thought. I mean, I'm sure I did just think it was just the brake squeal is all that was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and they do a lot of really interesting stuff with like paralleling like other high pitched noises in the world with his like ringing yeah, in yeah, his yeah. ears. Um, no, yeah, and I didn't want to say that I don't like the fact that they use that or that he has tinnitus. It just cracks me up that there's so many different times that people ask him about his earbuds and somebody else explains to them that he has tinnitus. Like, they like they tell you, like, four times. It's like, yeah, we got it the first time. Well, I think that's <laughs> another baby perspective thing. I'm sure he has to explain to people all day long. It's like, why are you weird? And he's like, I have tinnitus because my mom's dead. It's just, right. like, every single day. Mm-hmm. Not because my mom's I mean, dead, I- but... <laughs> My dead mom gave I me also, <laughs> I also just love the sound design involving everything about his earbuds. Oh, yeah. Every single time there's some cool sound design thing with his earbuds. Oh, I love it. <laughs> like, even even just when he's in the, the, the diner with Deborah, the fact that it's, like, slightly muted because it's halfway pulled out of his ear mm-hmm. is so cool to right. me. I love that. Um, okay, one of the things I do like about their uh, romantic dynamic, though, is that it doesn't turn into the whole music-based relationship thing where it's like, oh, she's cool because she likes my music, my cool music. She's into cool music, so I like her. It's Not more La like... La La Land. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I don't know, kind of op- reverse La La Land. But uh, in this, it's not like, oh, trying to see if she knows my music. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. what's this music you like? I'm going to go listen to that because I think you're cool and I want to be interested in the things that you're interested in. Yeah. It's not like this weird, like, oh, i got to give her the test, see if she's good girlfriend material based on Name music. Name five <laughs> animes that have more than one season. Can we write oh, that gosh, movie instead? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> she sits down at the table and he pulls his earphones out and the first thing he says is, name me five animes. <laughs> what are your favorite video games that aren't on a smartphone? <laughs> and don't say Mario. Oh, man. <laughs> Nerd culture. Do, 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 do. <laughs> uh, rolling it back. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Um, uh, along with the audio as well in this movie, I think I think something that's really overlooked is the color and the the visual oh, yeah. color design of this movie. Like even even just the fact that Deborah literally brings color into his life. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like the first time he goes into the coffee shop, it the heart that he walks past is black. Deborah walks past it, he walks out, and it's red. Oh. Then, yeah, yeah. Then we see uh, him go into the laundromat, and literally everything's colorful. Yeah. <laughs> like, all of the all clothes of the in colors. the laundry machines are all the same color and in a pattern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if you notice, every time he's in the crime world, it's like muted green. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. So, I, I don't know. I just think that's a really cool detail as well. One thing I did kind of notice with costuming and colors is in that first scene during the first bank robbery... Where you have all of the criminals are all dressed in black, and then Baby is wearing that black and white hoodie, and that's supposed to be like, oh, he's torn between criminal and being good, and bleh. yeah, that's how colors are used. Well, I mean, there is the whole through line of him getting darker and darker mm-hmm. as well as the movie gets right. darker. So, um, speaking of which, that stupid uh, freaking hoodie, I've looked it up. They custom made it, so I can't even buy it. I've yeah. looked, I've tried. You guys want movie clothing so bad. <laughs> that is a dope hoodie, okay? It is a cool they hoodie. S- they took, like, a $200 Gucci jacket and sewed the arms onto a white hoodie, okay? That's, like, the coolest thing I've ever heard. I mean, you can do that. <laughs> I can't, though. <laughs> While we're on the topic, though, I just want to make another call to action for our fans, uh, for people to continue to help All me track down Tom Cruise's shirt and Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Because um, <laughs> I will not rest until I have yeah, it. Yeah, we know. I, I need it badly. Um, <laughs> okay. The... And, you know, and this is something that I think everybody kind of knows about me, is that when I really love a movie, I am more drawn to criticizing it than I am to complimenting it. Because it's like... I know what I really liked about it, but it's more gratifying for me to, like, think through, like, the exceptions, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And in this movie, like, the biggest thing that doesn't make sense to me, that just doesn't line up logically at all, is there's that whole bit uh, in that second chase scene where, uh, what's his name, leaves his shotgun behind, uh, and they're like, oh, that's bad because you could get caught if they find it. So they have to kill him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and presumably yeah. that's because he's got, like, fingerprints on the shotgun, or it's, like, registered to him. Yeah? I, I would assume fingerprints is the word. Okay, yeah. here's the thing, though. Is that Baby's not wearing gloves. Baby has no, not no, been no, no, wearing yeah. gloves ever. Also, everyone in that heist is wearing gloves in that scene. They're wearing what? latex gloves. And also, like, in the very first heist sequence, no one was wearing gloves or seeming to give a care about fingerprints. So I just, I don't understand how this how this is supposed to work. I think it's less fingerprints and more leaving behind any sort of evidence, period. 
Like, if you leave a gun behind, like, that's a piece of evidence. Even if it's not a great piece of evidence, it's still something that somebody could use to track somebody down. Yeah, but Baby's fingerprints are fucking all over all those cars that he just abandoned (laughs) in parking garages. Well, you do also have to remember... does give him the gloves for the second highest. And you also do have... Yeah, I think it's the second. Um, You also do have to remember, Baby gets caught. Uh, not yeah. through <laughs> detective work, though. At the though. end of the... At the, sure, but Baby still gets caught. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure it was through detective work at least a little bit, because he was on his way out. Yeah. So they had to at least know his whereabouts a little bit. I, <laughs> they knew his whereabouts because they found his fingerprints on a car. <laughs> Well, if, I mean... Okay, you figure out who someone is, and then you Google them and find out where their address is, Jackson. It's not that hard. I'm just saying, like, it just, it doesn't feel like a consistent idea to me. They should have I mean, at least been a little no. bit more specific about why he had to die, because it seems like everybody else was committing comparable mistakes throughout the whole movie that we've been seeing lately. Yeah, well, throughout that whole second high, his baby fucks up, like, three times. Um, I think it's more of, uh, I think it's, I, I, well, I think it's less of the, the, like, evidence and fingerprint thing, and more of just trying to show that Baby's actually in the world now, and not just, what's his name's, like, pawn, Right, you know? and, you know, it's not that it doesn't work narratively, I think, you know, the idea of one of the criminals screws up and they do something so they mess up so bad that, you know, they have to be killed because it's, you know, part of this world and it represents Baby, like, going deeper and becoming more a party specifically to more violent acts. That's all great. It's just, like, the minutia of how it plays out it doesn't, it doesn't line up for me. That's fair. Hey, Jackson. Yeah. You're CinemaSins. I'm not CinemaSins. It's, like... <laughs> I don't know, every single time I've watched this movie, like, even the first time it, like, took me out of the movie, because I was like, but what, who, it ruins my, it's, it's immersion. <laughs> my immersion therapy. My, it's a baby driver. I want to be immersed. Hey, <laughs> I went to church today, and this guy in a suit tried to drown me. <laughs> and I kid you not, my parents just stood there taking pictures. That, look. <laughs> I really thought you were just starting a story I, about going to I, did too. I, I was like, Jackson, it's Friday. <laughs> oh, man. It won't be when somebody listens to this, but right now, in reality. <laughs> hey, how do you know it won't be, alright? There's a one in seven chance it will be. Uh, no, we update on, on Sundays. They come out on Sundays. Yeah, but people can listen to them afterwards. It's true, it's true, true, true. But only in the future. Whoa. Well, yeah. Hello, future. <laughs> What's it like? Are we still in a declared state of emergency? We shouldn't talk about that. <laughs> we can't do that. <laughs> I had a dream that that ended, and then I woke up, and there was a national emergency. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Anyway, back to baby driving. This, this is kind of jumping. I guess we could go back to the second heist. Where you have the civilian who tries to stop the burglary. And I think that's a really, really cool concept because it really throws baby's morals into, like, what to do. But... I don't... Are you talking about the black guy? Yeah, because he's chasing after them and he's got that handgun. And that makes sense. Except at one point, he, I like... I think he's a... 
I think he's a plant. I think he's a detective. Okay. Because he also has an actual submachine gun. Yeah, that gun. would make sense. Because <laughs> at one point he reaches back into his back seat and pulls out a machine gun, and I was like, hold on. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, no, I think he's supposed to be a detective who's been on their trail. Well, but he, they keep calling him a hero and soldier boy. Which I was going to say, yeah, he's wearing like a Marine's cap. I always figured that he was just like just a civilian. an ex-soldier who's just always prepared for shit to go down. But, like, handgun, yeah. But he pulls it to his back seat, and there's just a machine gun laying there. I mean, that's why I assumed he was someone other than just a civilian. Yeah, I mean, but... yeah. You would hope so, right? <laughs> what, you don't want people driving around with MP5s in their back seats? I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, I will say, one of my favorite things, jumping away from the, fi- the, the second car chase, is... Uh, Baby's use of quotes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, uh, is so cool, especially because, like, knowing he's a character who doesn't talk a lot. Yeah, <laughs> he literally has to pull his own vernacular from watching TV. Right. <laughs> Which, first of all, always makes me laugh. A second thing I noticed, I also didn't notice this until I was taking notes on it. The Mint Royale Blue song is one of the things he flips through on the TV. That mm-hmm. music video that oh, is right, the opening yeah. scene is one of the things he flips through on the TV, and I didn't notice that until I watched it through, and I was like, oh! <laughs> A reference! <laughs> You're referencing your own thing, which is, like, not as cool, but it's still cool. <laughs> which would be super lame if you weren't Edgar Wright. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. Okay, the next thing I have written down is pertaining to the scene where they scope out the bank. Does anybody have anything before that? No, I just want to talk about bats dying. <laughs> I just want to oh, talk well, about how gross this movie that. gets at the last second. Say again? I just want to talk about how gross this movie gets at like, oh. the last second. <laughs> <laughs> With two seconds left on the clock, they're going to drive over Kevin Spacey's head and slam <laughs> a guy into some construction work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and before that, impale a dude with a metal bar. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're talking about Kevin Spacey. He's problematic, but he's a good actor, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he's so fucking good in this movie. Yeah, that scene where he's, he's so talking to movie. the guy and explaining about Baby, and he's drawing the map at the same time, and he stops and, go, and goes, I just drew a whole map while we were talking about this shit. Isn't that freaking impressive? <laughs> I think that's so funny. It's hilarious. Uh, I'm so sad about the fact that Kevin Spacey is a pedophile, like, every yeah. day of my life. <laughs> it's my chest piece. What? What? A chest piece. It's, it's a tattoo that goes across your oh. chest. Oh, okay. You're literally just going to say, I'm so sad since Kevin Spacey is a pedophile. R.I.P. Oh, okay. Kevin Spacey not being a pedophile. <laughs> 1990 through 2018. Would that be a good or bad tattoo to have in person? <laughs> I don't know. Both. <laughs> Only if you're not in prison with Kevin Spacey. That's true. <laughs> Okay, so that the you want to talk about scoping? Yeah, up I'm just I'm a little I'm unsure. About the bank or the, the UPS station. Yeah, I'm. You know, I get the scene is like you know it's about him, like slowly becoming more involved with these heists. Um, I'm a little unsure what the fact that he brings his nephew along with him is supposed to add, besides just like this weird layer to Kevin Spacey's character. Yeah, I think I mean, it's the kid's setting, hilarious. Yeah, I think it's setting it up as. 
Kevin Spacey isn't a true villain in the same way that the other people are. Right. Because he kind of comes around at the end of the movie and tries to help Baby. That's true. I felt. I guess if you didn't have anything even remotely humanizing about him, his yeah. weird change of heart at the end would feel a little less earned. I still yeah. feel like that feels it's, a little bit unearned in the end movie. But no, regardless. it's definitely. Yeah. <laughs> that look. That is my least favorite part of this. Here's the thing. I love that his character does that. I wish there was a reason he did. Yeah. It was set up better, yeah. Because the fact that, like, they're literally like, we're in love, and he's like, shit, all right, I'm going <laughs> to die for you. Like, what? <laughs> what? what? Everyone's in love. Why Why does that matter so much yeah. to you? It's like he went, you were there on the date that they had. Why? Why is this new information for you? Yeah. <laughs> Because now it's love. Now it's love, and Kevin Spacey knows love. Yike. And I just wanted to point out the the scene with uh, the shootout set to tequila rips shit. It's so good. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so literally all I have on one of my notes is literally just tequila gunfight and a happy face. <laughs> okay, so. but okay, so we killed that other guy because he messed up on a thing. And then our three protagonists <laughs> fuck up in the worst way possible, and Kevin Spacey is just like, anyway, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They, like, <laughs> murder a whole bunch of cops. Yeah. <laughs> whilst, <laughs> and steal all their guns, and Kevin Spacey's just like, that's fine, just don't leave your guns behind. Yeah, <laughs> as long as you don't up, leave like, a gun. multiple vehicles. In the back of a car seat, I don't care. Um... And yeah, I do want to point out, though, there was a part of me when I saw the movie for the first time that was slightly disappointed, because in the trailer, they used this really cool remix of Tequila um, that was just super rad, but then in the real movie, they just used, like, the original Tequila, which is not nearly as good. I would also like to point out, every time I've listened to Tequila since then, I'm upset because I don't hear gunshots time to <laughs> yeah. yeah, hey, Because that's how I want that song to sound all right. the time. Yeah, hey, fun okay, fact about Tequila, kind of a dumb song. Oh, no, it's a, it's a bop, but it's dumb. So, <laughs> the thing about going to Sagajuia Middle School is that that song's ruined for me. <laughs> because in the marching band, we would play a version of it, but instead of saying tequila, we would say Sacagawea. <laughs> I remember that. The stupidest thing on the planet. <laughs> that was like our big cadence that we would play with the marching band. Sacagawea. We have to like say it really quickly, too, because it's too many syllables. Sacagawea! But also, uh, frickin' Jamie Foxx is so good in this movie. Quite good. No, yeah, that's what I have written down, is, like, everybody who is part of this criminal underbelly is incredible in this movie. Like, Mm -hmm. not just John Hamm and Jamie Foxx and Aiza Gonzalez, but uh, also... Like the secondary ones, like John Bernthal and the Flea, and yeah. <laughs> uh, whatever the Asian guy's name is, I don't know that actor's name, but like somehow I just call him Hat. Yeah. That's all I call him. Yeah, <laughs> like somehow Edgar Wright gets like such genuine performances out of all of them, and it's just like I don't know. For some reason, it just it, it totally feels right when all when they're all interacting with each other. Oh yeah. I also just really like have... that Flea plays a role in this movie. <laughs> 
The way that they have the criminal underbelly interact with Baby in, like, a pretty, like, human way, except for, like, uh, Jamie Foxx and stuff, where they're, like, super mean to him. But, like, to have the main guy and girl whose names I do not know after watching this movie, like, three times. Darling and Buddy. <laughs> Darling and Buddy. The way that they interact with Jamie... Or Jamie, God, what are the words I'm saying? The way that they interact with Baby in this, like, almost kind of protective way, I think it's super interesting, especially when Buddy ends up being this villain. And, like, you have that scene where they're, right. like, sharing music and bonding, and then, like... Two scenes later, they're trying to kill each other. It's like it's really interesting. Yeah, you get the vibe that uh, John Hamm and Baby have like been on a whole bunch of heists together already, and they like yeah. already know each other and kind of are friends. To the point that he'll protect other people from being mean to Baby. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think it's also interesting that Darling does that too mm-hmm. because. They don't even have that much of a connection besides her calling him cute. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and, like, she still she still implements that, like, protectiveness a little bit, too. And also trust a lot, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, saying that she wants to <laughs> have Buddy kill bats <laughs> in front of Baby and them both being confident that Baby's not going to say right, anything. Yeah. In that world is a really big deal. Oh, you know? yeah. Yeah, and we're gearing up towards the like the final act of the movie here. Okay. I, I just have written down that the foot chase is really cool, and I really like the song they use for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have that Kevin Spacey's change of heart is weird. Mostly because I guess I just don't really believe that he cares about him as much as they try to make you think that he does. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's, And I don't want this to be... The kind of thing that people say about Thanos in Infinity War, it's like, if he treated her so badly, how could it be that she cares about him, or he cares about her? But it's more complicated than that. But this is more like, Kevin Spacey super knows that he's doing bad things, and that he's roping Baby into them, and he doesn't want to be doing them, and still threatens to break his legs and kill his family, and then (laughs) later is like, Oh, but you're a good kid, <laughs> and I want I want to help you for true love. It's like this doesn't this doesn't work. I'm sorry, Edgar. I mean, to be fair, like uh, I don't think the threat breaks that because this is this is the business. They're criminals, and he wants baby to drive for him. And the quickest way to do that is through threats. Right. Like I think it's just effective, and he's a business. So to, I don't think a threat totally ruins their relationship. I think it just kind of tells you that Kevin Spacey isn't a good guy and does need a change of heart. Even if he would never act on that threat, he's still right. threatened. Yeah, pretty seriously, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, do you want your girlfriend to still be pretty? Because I can make that not thing. Because <laughs> not can ha- I can make not me do. Dad. Me do me do good. Yeah. Smash face. Yeah. You not drive, then girlfriend face bad. I'm Kevin <laughs> because Spacey. Because of me. You. But you I'll make you date also. an ugly girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even that he like messes up Deborah's face. He just like forces him to date someone ugly. <laughs> His other knees. <laughs> Kevin Spacey's like your girlfriend's pretty let's keep it that way and you cut to the next scene where Kevin Spacey just gives Lily James the world's worst makeover <laughs> I want that movie Kevin Spacey Lily James makeover James would be great yeah I guess just like one more scene earlier on 
where Kevin James and Baby had, like, a cool conversation or had a humanizing moment, and then when he has that change of heart, we'd be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, just, like, even, like, one scene would have been great. Did you just say Kevin James, or was that in my head? She did. She did. I just was going to let it fly. I'm so sorry. When's the Paul Blart Mall Cop Baby Driver crossover we deserve? (laughs) Listen, I am terrible with actor names. Can we just reshoot all of Baby Driver except have Kevin James instead of Kevin Spacey? <laughs> you know and what? Everything's exactly Listen, the same. Listen, it was a Freudian slip. <laughs> I mean, look, it's not like I'm saying it will ever happen or be good, but like, that sounds like kind of a fun idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, just like Kevin James in a serious role where he's like a mob boss. Yeah, that would um, be down. I'm yeah, I'm ready for Kevin James's dramatic turn. I feel like it's time for him. It's coming. You see, like, <laughs> shadows of it in the stuff that he does. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Yeah, Adam Sandler and Kevin James both haven't ever really gone into that dramatic role. Will Ferrell yeah. did for, like, a second and then decided yeah. it wasn't really for him. I, I'm Which ready I for mean, Kevin I respect. James. If yeah. you do that and you're like, I don't like this, like, that's totally fine. Right. Uh, anyway, this is not relevant. No. <laughs> um, the whole parking garage sequence is incredible. Uh, it's dope. And I don't know, like, and especially the scene with him in the diner with the gun and the policeman pulling up is set to yeah. Barry White is so good. And, like, I, I almost, like, don't want to talk about it that much because I feel like I don't really have anything to add besides, oh, it's so good. That, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, it just really is. It's incredible. It's one of the better, like, tension-building scenes in, a, oh, yeah. in recent memory. Well, I think also the... The payoff of the garage scene, too. Like, I mean, first of all, having Brighton Rock be the song that they have their last battle to is so good. But also, the the color shift in... uh in Buddy as well, because throughout the whole movie, his his theme is blue, mm-hmm. right. and Darling's is pink, mm-hmm. and then Darling is gone, and then everything about Buddy is red. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and that's so cool. <laughs> um, okay, my least favorite bit in this movie um, is the moment where uh, John Hamm says, like, you took away something important to me, now I'm going to take something away from you. And he fires the gun right next to his ear, and it's so scary in the moment. But there's absolutely yeah. no consequences no to it at all. Yeah. It's this great moment that just totally falls flat, like, a minute later, when it's just like, he's okay. Yeah. It, did, it didn't well, do anything. I mean, I don't know if I believe that. It definitely ruined some of his permanent hearing. <laughs> right. But we don't I mean, see that. Yeah, we don't yeah, see we that. Do. It doesn't I mean, have anything even... to do with the story. Well, we do, though, because when he's driving back with Deborah after that scene, he has to put his hand on the speaker in order to hear his mother, just like Joe does. Right, but that was, like, immediately after it happened. They play it off like everything's the same once he, like, goes to jail. Yeah. I mean, I well, get where I you're mean, coming from, but and you might be right, but it's still... It should have been a bigger element in the finale of the movie if they were going to have that continue to be true. Because uh, as of right now, to me, it read like, you know, his ears are hurting now, obviously, but it didn't damage them and they're fine. Because they don't bring it up ever again after that first moment. But but that's also the last time we're hearing from Baby's ears. Once he gets arrested, we don't hear from Baby's ears anymore. Yeah, I'm saying we We should have. We hear the courtroom scene. Oh, okay, that's a, that's fair. But I'm saying, but but saying that it is not a thing, I don't think it's fair when we don't know if it is or not. Yeah, I'm not saying that it's definitely not a thing. I'm saying it's not clear that it's a thing, and it should be clear that it's a thing. Okay, this is just Schrodinger's plot point. <laughs> 
Well, I don't know, but I also think there isn't there a point where we see him with a doctor in the jail as well, working on his hearing. I don't think so. I don't remember. I'm like ninety percent sure that there's like a doctor's appointment in jail. Maybe. I'm just saying there should have been one more shot at the end where it was like, you know, baby has permanent hearing loss for sure, and it's like something that he's going to have to deal with moving forward. Yeah. That's fair. Can we go back and talk about uh, baby's tapes? Cause, <laughs> well, cause I thought that was... Looking at, I thought it was just kind of weird because we established that this is a thing that Baby does. He records things and he makes these little songs out of them. And he's got the recording of his mom and then he's got just a, like a billion other things that he's recorded. And that all that really establishes is that he's got a recording of his mom. And then later he gets in trouble because he's been recording secret meetings, but that immediately doesn't matter. Because they just right. let it go. That's true. Nothing really comes of that, does it? Yeah, and then we li- well, then we listen to the mom tape at the end of the movie. But I feel like I don't know. The tapes were just kind of like a quick thing, and then we moved on. I I mean I don't know. I think that it was part of the the way that they made it made baby prove to the other people that he was actually in the crew. You know. Because mm. like because when they find those tapes, they're obviously pissed at him or whatever. But then at the end of it, he's like. Uh, he he totally rescinds. I mean, he's obviously not being serious, but mm-hmm. he he rescinds and says that he's going to do it with them. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that um, I still like the tapes. I think it's a really like good piece of like not only character development but like interesting and effective exposition method. I mm-hmm. agree though that there should have been more consequences to the scene where they find out because that idea is super good. I like yeah. I really love the moment where they're like, "Why do you have a tape recorder?" And he's like, because uh, I record conversations and make music out of them. And they're like, can we hear them? It's like, uh, I don't have them with me. Let's go to your house. My house is really far away. And you know all the things that he's saying are true, but you also know that they super duper sound like lies. Yeah. And yeah. that's like a really interesting dynamic for a scene. Um, but then they kind of just move on. I mean, I guess they do go mm-hmm. find his tapes. Yeah. Um. By the way, I did check. There is a shot where a doctor is checking his ear in the prison. Okay. I don't know. Hi. So you said one more shot. There's one more <laughs> shot. <laughs> but I meant something from his perspective really explicitly. That's fair. But I also think... I don't know. I think the break from his perspective is important there. How so? Because the entire rest of the movie's been from his perspective, and finally when he's being held accountable, we're hearing other people's perspective of him rather than his right. perspective of other people. Which I think is a really good way to round out a character if he's not been rounded out. Right, <laughs> yeah. Which, which, baby, I mean, he doesn't talk a lot, so we have to assume a lot. Right. Yeah, you have to do some le- legwork outside of the character. Yeah, and having literally exposition upon exposition of all of his closest people around him. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it develops the character is. at a final point. Um, so, yeah, regarding the end of this movie, where he just goes to jail, I still, (laughs) like, even after I've seen this movie, like, a million times, I still don't really know how I feel about it. I don't think it's bad, it's just a weird way to end a movie. (laughs) Just like, uh, yeah, he goes to jail for, like, three years, and then he gets out, and and it's cool. (laughs) And you're like... That's the happy ending, (laughs) which is just weird. (laughs) 
It's like he's permanently a felon, probably won't be able to find jobs very easy, but like don't worry about <laughs> this that. is it's the fine. best case scenario. Yeah. <laughs> also, where well, did Deborah get that fucking 1958 Chevelle or whatever the hell that is that he picks okay, up Okay, I did the hear a theory that that last shot is a dream, which I feel like ruins the whole movie. Yeah, true. <laughs> so uh, I don't want that just, to be true. She just saved up her tips, man. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Maybe sure, she just fine. rent... Well, because they talk about owning a car that they can't afford and driving forever, so her buying a car that she can't afford is right. on theme. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Yeah. Um, if wait, this is probably a dumb question. You don't get to keep any of the money if they catch you. Yeah. I mean, I can only say no, but I don't know how they would be able to. Because, like, otherwise you would just be able to use all the money you stole to bail yourself. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that they definitely take the money away from you. <laughs> <laughs> you don't just have to hold on to a big bag of money in jail. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, like, but do they, because, I don't know, because maybe that's where Deborah got the car. Maybe baby's just still sitting on those fat $100,000 bills. Oh, that's bill true. Stacks. He's probably oh, still got money. his stashed money. Yeah, I didn't consider that. That could be. Yeah. Although Unless they did a search of his Buddy apartment and, and were like, hey, these well, aren't his. <laughs> Buddy and Bats also tore his apartment apart. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe she just saved up her tips. <laughs> Maybe she's yeah, renting she just, it. Leave her yeah. alone. Like, she's leasing. I have to go get my boyfriend out of prison, so I'm going to rent this car for an afternoon. And we'll give him back. Like, oh my gosh, you got my dream car? She's like, no, I'm just thinking about it. Funny, no. <laughs> um, okay, any any closing thoughts? I love it, great. Uh, I love it, great. That's one of the weird things about going to, like, a film program, really specifically, is that, like, in your day-to-day life, being somebody who's, like, really into Edgar Wright and his movies is something that, you know, like, people who are really into movies always kind of relate to that. But in your day-to-day life, people aren't always really into movies, you know? It kind of feels like something you have, not to yourself, but, it like, it feels like something kind of unique about you. Like, oh, I love Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright's one of my favorites. Um... And then you go to a film program, and that's just, like, all anybody wants to talk about. And you're like, oh, yeah. that, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Listen, everybody loves Ed Gray. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, the only last thing I'd have to say is, if you like movies with attention to detail on music and sound design, Guardians of the Galaxy, both of them, James Gunn does a very good job and yeah, thinks a lot about the music he puts in. So, Also, R.I.P., Guardians 3. <laughs> R.I.P. James Gunn. Well, they keep saying they're going to do it. Also, fucking James Gunn's directing Suicide Squad 2. He'll, he'll be okay. Oh, maybe it might actually be yeah, good, then. Yeah. But I don't want him to direct that. I want him to direct <laughs> Guardians Yeah, of course. Okay, we have course, to do Suicide Squad at one point, because that movie is bonkers. Yeah, I don't know. I, I still am kind of a Suicide Squad apologist. Well, I don't I really just, think like, it's that bad. Well, I just, like, thought about the look. plot the other day, and I was like, wait a minute, what the hell? <laughs> hey, look. Writing-wise, that movie's not very good. No. Shot-wise, there are some really good shots. There are some cool shots. Uh, I also... Last time I watched it, I spent a lot of time thinking about how much of the plot is dependent on helicopter crashes. (laughs) 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 It's a lot. (laughs) 
Oh, man. Should... I think the worst part, this is unrelated, and we should stop talking about Suicide Squad. <laughs> okay. But I think the worst part of that movie is when they're like, oh, the Joker's dead, and every five-year-old in the audience is like, no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> you think we've never seen a movie before? <laughs> <laughs> we should do Suicide Squad. Ethan, do you want to come back sometime for Suicide Squad? <laughs> do Suicide Squad. Hell yeah. Okay, well then I think we can close the book on Baby Driver. That's it. Boof. Close the car door. Closed. Cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Great, did it. Who wants to go first for our secondary things we like? I'll go first. <laughs> uh, so typically when I'm listening and exploring new music, I'm not super down with stuff from the 80s just in general it's almost like listening to country music to me in the sense that it's like these are great songs and I'll listen to them if somebody else is playing them but like there's this weird sort of cultural dissonance between how heavily stylized it all is like it feels so dated does that make sense yeah yeah. like it's just not what I would normally listen to in my day to day because I just don't feel like I can connect with it really strongly well, it just, it just lived in that yeah, era. Yeah, totally. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the exception to that, though, is uh, Danny Elfman's band from the 80s called Oingo Boingo. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, and their album, uh, Dead Man's Party, is the tightest shit in the world. It's just this, like, concept album about, like, death. <laughs> and, it's like, Danny Elfman, so it's spooky. We yeah, all know. <laughs> not, like, in a really dramatic, like, heavy-handed way. More like in a spooky, goofy kind of way. Yeah, um, no, it's Danny Elfman. We yeah, all know. And that's what's so interesting about it is that it totally sounds like Danny Elfman's music still. Like, whether he's writing soundtracks for Tim Burton movies or playing guitar in a rock band, like, he's still got the same musical sensibilities, and that's totally fascinating to me. Um, and, yeah, one of the things that I learned was, like, in my head, the story was always, like, oh, Danny Elfman was in this band for a while, and then once he sort of moved on from that, he started doing movie soundtracks. Um, but he was playing with Oingo Boingo, like, well into the 90s. Like, he mm-hmm. did the soundtrack for Batman and Nightmare Before Christmas and, like, whatever other, like, Pee-wee's Big Adventure and Mission Impossible. Like, while he was still playing and touring with Oingo Boingo, <laughs> like, that's, that's just crazy to me. I don't understand how a person could, like, write that much music. Um, well, especially yeah. with the Nightmare Before Christmas, where he was literally, like making the plot of the movie with the music because <laughs> right, Tim Burton yeah. wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and it's kind of funny too because Danny Elfman also sings and you can tell it's the same voice that sings for Jack in Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just a super tight album and it... I'm trying to think about what else I could say about it because it's just... it's really super fun. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and Danny Elfman's really cool. Uh, for a long time while they were together, they had a habit of playing a Halloween night concert in New York every year, which is just like one of those things, like if I had a time machine, that would be one of the things I would oh, make sure yeah. I would experience. Um, okay. Yeah, that, that's kind of it. <laughs> Dead Man's I Party like by Oingo Boingo. Do you want to go next or should I go next? I can go next. Uh, my thing's kind of little, but I want to talk about the Frozen 2 trailer that just dropped. Oh, yeah. Was it today or yesterday? I think it was yesterday. It is so cool. <laughs> it goes so hard, and it boggles my mind. <laughs> I kind of thought the same thing. Okay, yeah. okay, so the first Frozen movie was very Disney. I mean, there was a lot more magic than usual and a little bit more adventure than usual that we had seen before in a Disney princess movie. And that's not even true. There's a lot of adventure entangled. But it was, like, pretty basic. Like, it was a princess movie. You could kind of follow it. It made sense. And I also kind of tied up the whole Frozen thing in a pretty tight bow. So when they were, like, Frozen 2, I was like, why? This feels like a cash grab. Why are we doing this? But then I saw that trailer, and that trailer goes so damn hard, <laughs> and I don't know why. Because yeah, it's... oh, go ahead, sorry. Well, because Fro- er, Elsa runs into the ocean and is trying to cross this ocean over and over again, and like Anna grabs a sword off of Kristoff, and they're like going through this like beautiful red forest and doing all this stuff, and it's super dope. But I'm just like, why? <laughs> why are we here? What are we doing? Why are we doing this? Yeah, the trailer's almost edited like an action movie trailer. Yeah. yeah no, it definitely feels like a... I thought it was almost like Marvel movie Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like quick cuts, a lot of action scenes. I was very surprised. I'm really curious my... to see if that is actually going to reflect on if the movie is actually going to be any different or if they were just doing something crazy with the trailer. Um, yeah, I don't know. Because if they took it in a little bit more of an action-y direction, I really think that would be a really cool... And fun thing to do with the oh, yeah. franchise. I think my metaphor for this trailer, it's like if you just like woke up and you were in the middle of Disneyland. It's like, ah, oh, hell yeah, I'm in Disneyland. This is also this is awesome. But like also, how did I get here and why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> like this is awesome, but what's happening? Like, I literally just have no idea what they're going to do with the plot. They're obviously going on, like, a journey somewhere, but I just, like, don't... I don't know. I don't know what we're doing. Oh. Hey, sorry. Uh, Can I say one more thing about Oinko Blanco real quick? Sure. Uh, The last song on Dead Man's Party is Weird Science, which is the song that uh, they wrote for the John John Hughes movie Weird Science. Uh, where the two middle school boys use their computer to create a sexy robot woman to be their girlfriend. Uh, I just wanted to put that out there because that's a thing that exists that John Hughes fucking directed and the world is crazy. Uh, (laughs) And this is the world we live in? Yeah. Also, it's a very good song. But just, like, it's one of those things that's, like, it's not only, like, oh, this would never happen today. It's, like... It would, this would it, never happen. Yeah, it would never happen, and, like, I, I don't... Am, <laughs> Ever. I'm yeah. honestly concerned about the fact that it happened in 1983 or whatever. Like, this feels like that shouldn't have been okay then, either. Like, I don't understand yeah. what this is. <laughs> Who made this movie and why? Yeah, John Hughes, director of The Breakfast Club and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. 
What did you do, John Hughes? <laughs> Why did you make this sexy robot? <laughs> anyway, sorry. Do you want to keep talking about Frozen? No, I mean, I mean, there's not a lot to talk about. The trailer's very short, and it looks right. dope as hell. And I like how they changed both of, both of Anna and Elsa's designs just a little bit, probably to not make them look like the same person like they did in the original movie. But yeah. Yeah, no, honestly, like, because, you know, I always keep track of, like, what movies are coming out when. I'm always really on top of seeing the newest things. And for me, Frozen mm-hmm. 2 was kind of like a footnote. It was like, what's coming out this holiday season? You know, you've got, like, your Star Wars, and there's the Jumanji sequel coming out that I'm interested in, and, oh, like, really? all these other things. And it's like, oh, and also Frozen 2, but I don't, whatever. Um, but now that I've seen that trailer, I'm like, oh, I'm pretty excited uh, to see yeah. Frozen 2. Yeah. Uh, we're I'm going to Frozen excited. 2. Yeah. I wish it had a better name than Frozen 2, but we'll deal with that later. You know what they should have called it? What? Thawed. I'm so tempted to leave the Discord chat. <laughs> like T-H-A-W-E-D. Yeah, no, I got you, no, it. Yeah, yeah, like, we, yeah, we, yeah. There's no thawed. other way to spell Thawed. What are you talking about? Um, T-H-O-T. That's, That's not Thawed. This is the past tense of was, think. If it was called thought, I would be more intrigued for watching. <laughs> That's what Rick and Ralph 2 should have been called. Thought. Rick and Ralph 2 thought. I still haven't seen Rick and Ralph 2. Jackson keeps losing I his mind about not. it. It's the weirdest fucking movie in the world. Ethan, what do you what do you like right now? <laughs> I okay. Uh, this is weird, and it's not something I would usually suggest, but it's very good, and I've been listening to it nonstop. Ariana Grande's new album is actually good. Okay, okay. If you haven't listened to it front to back, like, it's poppy. It's poppy. I'm down with poppy. It's very poppy, but it's very, very good. All the beats are really good. Uh, she does, like, probably the most amazing whistle tone I've ever heard in the opening <laughs> track of the album. Like, I mean, and you, and there's no denying that Ariana Grande is an amazing vocalist. So, yeah. like... Even if you just want to hear someone sing good for, like, 45 minutes, <laughs> it's a good album. Yeah, I, uh, I've been making an effort to listen to more, like, new music as it comes out this year. I've been making the habit of every weekend, like, just checking the Wikipedia article that lists what albums are coming out when, hmm. and just, like, picking something, like, even if I've never heard of it, like, making sure I'm listening to something new every week. Yeah. Um, and I've been a little bit behind, and I keep thinking about it like that was the album I was going to listen to from last week. Like, oh, Ariana Grande's new album is out. i got to make sure I get on that before I forget about it. Dude, it's it's good. Okay. It's good. I was not it's super impressed by the song, Thank You, Next. I, I mean, that's... It's, it's all, look, Break Up With Your Girlfriend Because I'm Bored is the best song in the <laughs> okay. world. Okay, all right, all right. I will literally could listen to that song on repeat forever, <laughs> and I don't even understand why, but it's so good. I'm just so not in touch with modern music, even a little bit, because I don't listen to the radio, so I'm not really getting new songs as yeah. they come out. 
So, like, I don't know. I'm listening to, like, indie pop from the 2010s and, like, only that. <laughs> I think the newest song right. that I listen to is probably Pop Stars by KDA. Like, that's the newest song I've heard. <laughs> and that doesn't even really count. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, it's been a while since there's been a lot of, like, big crossover radio hits, you know? Like yeah, just, there hasn't been, like, a summer jam. Yeah, like, like a huge years. summer jam. Like, a few years ago, we had, like, Cake by the Ocean and In Why Uptown You Gotta Funk. Be So Rude and Uptown Funk and, like, anything Taylor Swift came out with. And it was, like, everybody knows this song. Like, not even yeah. if you, like, even if you don't listen to the radio, it's, like, everybody is aware of this song. And we haven't had yeah, one. like it plays in shops enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, like, we haven't had one of those in a while, it feels like. And I think Thank You Next is close. I think yeah. probably Redbone by Childish Gambino is kind of the same way I think but it's the, still not quite on the same level as something like Bad Blood no because you know? I haven't heard of them and if I haven't heard of them that means that people that aren't seeking out new music haven't heard of it either well okay you know Redbone by Childish Gambino Adeline do I? yeah I do not recognize yes. that name listen to it it's Donald Glover what? whatever just listen to the song I'm positive that you know it okay it's also in Get Out. If she hasn't seen Get Out. I haven't seen Get Out either. <sighs> yeah, I know. I know it's really good. Ooh, look, if there's another... If, look, Suicide Squad, you could also put my name under the Get Out podcast <laughs> okay. when that happens. Now, because, honest to God, ooh. I made a little list of movies that I wouldn't want to do a podcast about because I just like them too much. And I wouldn't be able to say anything besides, it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and Get Out was on that list. It's fair. Have you wait? Okay, a little off topic. Have you seen the the like fan at Jordan Peele answers fan theories? Oh yeah, where he talks about how he because is like yeah sure this is set in the same universe as being John Malkovich. <laughs> <laughs> my my favorite one in all of that is some person like listened to the notes that someone that the guy was playing on the ukulele as they enter the house and was like oh this is. This is Opus Number Seven from Mendelssohn. Blah 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 blah. And Jordan Peele's like, "No, I literally just told him to play random notes. So you're <laughs> digging too deep into this." <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Listening to the director commentary on Get Out is really funny because it's basically just him like listing all of the times they ripped off The Shining, <laughs> which I think is really funny. I mean, if you rip <laughs> off a good. great movie, you yeah, get a no, great movie. Totally. Um, okay, yeah. Uh, our naming convention for this podcast has been like episode whatever I and then like our main movie and then the two things that we talked about um, mm-hmm. but that's already a pretty long title and if we start yeah. adding more things if we have a guest I feel like it's going to be totally unwieldy <laughs> so I might need to revisit <laughs> our naming convention. Well, you can also just be the movie, and then, like, the movie, and then in the description be, like, we also talk about right. other stuff. Right, right, right. You, you could also just make it guest name. I mean, I don't mean to throw my name at the top of the list, but <laughs> typically, when podcasts, typically when podcasts have a guest, that's part of their the title. The Ethan so. Goins extravaganza special edition. <laughs> okay. Featuring exactly Ethan Goins. <laughs> Okay. Also, Jackson, you're going to need to edit that because I defo just screamed into my microphone. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll do my best. So be aware of that. Why did you do that? Because comedy. (laughs) Oh, wait. Yeah, I'm going to mute myself here and give Jackson just a note at the very end of this track. Hey, Jackson. 
Well, we have to end now. Okay, yeah, hold on. I'm looking for my review because I forgot to do it again. Oh, that's right. I forgot that we do this. Yeah. Hey, Jackson, at at 111.50, there's a little note for you. Of of what? At at 111.50 in my track, there's a little note for you. What track? My audio track. Oh, that's what you mean. Uh, Okay, sounds good. (laughs) He hacked into your computer, and on your audio track... (laughs) <laughs> okay, are we stopping recording? No, not yet. We do a thing at the end where I look review. up either a five-star or a one-star review of our movie, depending on what's funnier uh, to read at the end. And I forgot to pick one out before the podcast started. <laughs> I really like that, actually. <laughs> um, have you not been listening to our podcast, Ethan? I'm not going to lie, no. <laughs> That's okay, nobody is. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, I had, I was gonna say something. Oh no. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. What are we talking about? Oh, oh, do you guys watch Gus Johnson at all? Uh, no, what? I don't know who that is. He's a YouTuber. Uh, him. One of my favorite videos of his is very recent. They're literally all just sitting around a computer and reading really interesting, stupid Google reviews. <laughs> yeah. But it's a quality talk. Okay. okay. <laughs> all right, you guys. Do you want to hear a? This isn't a one-star review. This is a one-half-of-a-star review of Baby Driver. <laughs> wow. This is from Letterboxd.com user um, Cry Me a River, but there's no vowels Good in start. it. Good start. Um, she gives it one-half-of-a-star, one and she says, I'm not even done watching this fucking movie, but I'm so frustrated because I can't understand Jamie Foxx. He's talking too fucking fast. <laughs> Sounds like a person. <laughs> talking too fucking fast. I'm Jackson McMurray. <laughs> I'm Adeline McMurray. I'm Ethan Goins. <laughs> and this has been No Nerds Allowed. There are no nerds allowed. We'll catch you on the on the the flippity flop. <laughs> the flippity flop. He's talking too fucking fast. <laughs> <laughs> Talk that fast in the movie. I'm not even halfway through this fucking movie. Kevin Spacey talks way faster than Jamie Foxx does. Also, Jamie Foxx doesn't even show up till like halfway through. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so just shut up. It's like I'm done. I can't. Can't keep up. <laughs> He's talking so fast I haven't even reached his seat yet, and I can't understand him. <laughs> He's already done. He's at the end of the script, and I'm at the middle of the movie. <laughs> Yeah, maybe this is just a review of a conversation they had with Jamie Foxx. They just had a bad experience meeting Jamie Foxx in person, so they're just like, fuck this movie, he talks way too fast. (laughs)